Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This week, the Bookshelf Cinema is screening I'll See You in My Dreams, Ex Machina, In the Heat of the Night, While We're Young, and more. It's a busy week for live music at the E-Bar. On June 17th, see Blue Sky Minters, Carson McCone, and Mountain of Wolves. On June 18th, see the amazing Carolyn Mark uh, with Rusty Ford and Donny Nash. And on June 19th, see The Lifers, Little Boxer, Sam Boer and the Curious Coyotes, and Braden Phelan. The Bookshelf is an independently owned cultural hub located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph. For more information about their hours, listings, blogs, and accessibility, please visit bookshelf.ca. Creative Control with Vish Khanna. Uh, before we get to the show, let's take a look at the old patreon.com slash creative control tote board and see where we're at with pledges for the show. We, uh, When I last checked last week, we were at 32 patrons and $175 per month, which is great. Uh, let's see where we're at today. Our goal, again, is to get to $500 a month before the end of August. Uh, to keep this show going. If we don't do that, the show stops. Let's just see where we are. And it looks like we're at the same. We have not moved. We have not budged from $175 a month and 32 patrons. We'd like more patrons. If you'd like to pledge to the show, any amount, a dollar, two dollars, four dollars, eight dollars, there are some incentives uh, and gifts that will be in the offing uh, if we reach our goal. That's for sure. So please feel free, if you like the show, to a pledge to the show. Again, patreon.com slash creative control. There's more information on the Creative Control with Vishkana Facebook page and at vishkana.com. On this episode of the program, the wonderfully talented Angel Olson and I have a very, uh, I think, interesting chat about her life and her work and perceptions about her being dark and brooding when really there's a lot of light in there and... And her latest uh, record. Uh, and, and also, she's coming to North by Northeast on the 20th of June. So, uh, and, and she's playing Sappy Fest this summer in Sackville, New Brunswick, which is a festival near and dear to my heart. So, we had a lot of uh, fun, I think. Um, we laughed. We thought about things. It's good. I'm a big fan of hers, so uh, please enjoy. You'll, oh, by, as always, you'll hear a, a new song or a, a song from her latest record uh, at the end of the interview. So, stick around for that as well. But, uh, yeah, it's good. Me and Angel Olsen. Enjoy this. The 32nd Annual Hillside Festival takes place July 24th, 25th, and 26th at Guelph Lake, Rain or Shine, featuring performances by... Astral Swans, Bad Bad Not Good, Badminton Racket, Baskery, Battle of Santiago, Braids, The Brothers Landreth, Bulgarian Voices Trio, By Divine Right, Tim Chasen, Nels Klein Singers, Constantine's, Nick 
Crane, Alex Cuba, Daka Braca, Del Bell, Daldrums, Echo Deck, Darren Edens, Eloquent, Etiquette, Everlove and Jug Band, Nick Ferrio, Jeremy Fisher, Crazy Four, David Francie, Michael Franti and Spearhead, Galacticats, The Good Lovelies, Great Lake Swimmers, Ash Grunwald, Lana Gurr and the Great Estate, Hungai, The Henry, Suzanne Jarvie, Mo Kenny, The Cramdens, Daniel Lanois, Last X, Lee Reed, Lids, Look Vibrant, Le Luc, Minotaurs, Moonface, The Once, Nancy Pants, Doug Paisley, Fred Penner, Perch Creek, Poor Man's Whiskey, Natalie Prass, The Spring Standard, Jamie Stone's Lomax Project, Sultans of String, Tommy Crest, Team, Thus Owl, Tribekistan, Riley Walker, The Weather Station, Jason Wilson and Pee Wee Ellis, and more to be announced. For more information about purchasing tickets to this accessible event, please visit hillsidefestival.ca. is an evocative and true singer and songwriter who originally hails from Missouri, but now calls North Carolina home. A frequent collaborator of Bonnie Prince Billy, as well as the Cairo Gang, Olsen emerged as a solo force with her 2010 debut EP, Strange Cacti, and its 2012 full-length follow-up, Halfway Home. Her most recent album is Burn Your Fire for No Witness, which was widely hailed as a masterpiece and the best album of 2014, according to the AV Club. The record is available via Jag Jaguar, and Olsen is playing select shows in Canada, including a North by Northeast appearance on June 20th in Toronto and Sappy Fest in Sackville, New Brunswick, this August. Here now to discuss some of these things is Angel Olsen. Uh, hi, Angel. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. Now, you giggled when I mentioned that your album was the best of the year, according to the AV Club. Well... I mean, <laughs> I think it's all, um, it's up to everyone else what their favorite album is. I just think it's funny. <laughs> it is funny. I can see you thinking it's funny. It, do you think it's funny that the AV Club in particular chose it? Or do you think it's funny that anyone would declare that you... A- anyone, really. <laughs> but you... um, I think I was just like, I was really busy touring a lot. And I, I don't know. Even now, like thinking about it, I'm like, I, I, I don't understand um, the effect that other people have because I'm just, you know, I'm just like working a lot. So, <laughs> right. Um, I have a different perspective on it. Um, it's just, I don't know. It's interesting to see like some of the same bands listed on like the top 10, like over and over again at different festivals. And, to me, I just see it as like, oh, we've become friends because we're at every festival now. And that's a very, um, you know, luxurious life <laughs> that we lead together. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, at the same time, at the end of the year, you're kind of matched against those people. And it, it's kind of weird. I don't know. Like, the- I'd rather just like not even think about like top 10 or number one album or whatever. But 
You didn't. That's get, always been a thing. So yeah, you didn't get into this to compete with other bands or artists. Not really. No. <laughs> now you did say not really. Should we qualify that? So there's a small part of you that's very competitive. I mean, I'm a competitive person, but when I like friends with people, I definitely don't want to be like um, put up against them. You know what I mean? Sure, I sure, I sure do. Do Do you remember what your uh, album of the year was last year? Um, I don't. <laughs> I can't remember either. I have no earthly idea. Um, oh, I yes, I do. It what just am- went by so fast. I remember. Do you want to hear mine? What was your album of the year? I, I appreciate you asking. Dude Incredible by Shellac of North America. Oh, really? Yeah, that was my album of the year. I haven't heard it. I should look it up. Oh, really? Oh my goodness. Are you are you are you generally a fan of that band or? I've seen them play once, <laughs> but yeah. They're pretty um, pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we've we, I'm glad we reminisced a little bit about 2014. That's good. Uh, now I, I I do want to go back to that time a little bit. I recall that the press surrounding your last record made mention of you suddenly having this actual band on your hands. You know, kind of talking about the chemistry that you uh, developed with these these people. Why, but I did notice that your upcoming shows are are solo. Why is that? Um. Well. I got so used to playing with the band and I want to, it's a totally different experience playing solo and you have to use a lot more energy talking with people in between songs. And I, it just feels more like, um, it's more complicated in some ways and I don't want to lose that ability. And I also, um, am coming up with new material that I want to play some of it solo, you know, and, and I feel like, it's a good time to write a lot. So doing a slew of solo dates is pretty, um, it's been a long time since I've done that. And it's also, um, it's kind of easier for me to do in some ways, um, but harder in other ways, like harder in performance and easier, um, you know, as far as like representing my songs and, and, getting the statement out there, I guess. But I do enjoy um, playing with the band. I just, I've played so many um, shows where I play maybe two songs solo and I have a lot of solo work, you know? I'm not, like, though this last album was very much like, you know, it required a band and it it needed that background. I don't always want that. I mean, who knows if my next album will be like a full band or not but um i don't want to lose the ability of doing it on my own sure sure no that that makes sense was there was there too much made about the the band uh when when people were kind of talking about your last record what do you mean well did was that was that overemphasized the fact that you you had a band and and it worked really well with the band um not necessarily i think it was nice to step out of um what I was doing on my own and, and bring a lot more volume and attitude to it. And I think those were, those songs required um, a lot of that. And looking back, like I've written s- songs on my own solo and performed them solo and thought, you know, this song would be really great with a band, but I didn't have a band at the time. So for me, it was a really fun experience and I didn't mind people noticing or, or talking about it. Sure, sure. So it's possible if you are to revisit the band structure, it would be potentially the same band? Yes, I mean, I hope, I hope so. Okay, I've already had that conversation with everyone, but I also, um, you know, think it's really important that they do their own thing if they need to. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we. I feel like you may have touched upon this already, but you, your songs are often very deeply. Uh, they're deeply personal songs. I think. How does collaboration and interaction in your own work impact your ability to convey such personal things? Does it Does it have an impact on that? Hmm. I think we're all so close that, like, I don't know if they really think about it like that. And, they, you know, it's it, for me, it's, like, not really difficult sharing things that, to me, are, like, pieces of... Yes, they might be personal, but I've definitely exaggerated on them. That's part of what I think makes them songs. Um, but I also think that, yeah, I don't know, just knowing them also well it's easier to just kind of share new stuff with them right you trust them yeah right 
And what about working with others on their stuff? I mentioned a few people that you've collaborated with in the past. How has that informed your own work or your own music? Well, um, you know, working with um, Bonnie Prince Billy and the Cairo Gang um, definitely helped me understand what it meant to be, you know, in a band and how, you know, <laughs> how to explain parts of songs and harmonies and how to, you know, be really patient and to put myself out there, even though sometimes I didn't know their like those songs and I would get out on stage and be memorizing them while singing another one, you know? (laughs) Um, and now with my own material, I feel like I'm at a point where I've, I haven't written a lot, but I've written enough to forget certain songs and, um, (laughs) you know, it's hard enough remembering them on my own, but it's also like, you know, it requires a lot of patience to explain a drum part that only exists in your head or a bass line um, while humming it, you know, it's, just, and, and res- sometimes people are like, well, why, what are you talking about? And they seem really agitated and you have to kind of take, take a step back and, um, you know, think about a better way to explain it. And I don't know, that's, that sort of thing you just comes up with time working in a band, you know. Yeah, it's interesting that you touch upon leadership given who you've worked with. I mean, Will and I have spoken many, many times and 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 he's been on this show a couple of times actually as well and I do get the sense that he is um one of the most thoughtful people, but I think he's also a man of great conviction. I think he knows exactly what he wants and and I I I don't know if you can convey what the working relationship with him is like. I think you you sort of did, but is that, is that an accurate sort of description of him sort of sure um, yeah but I also think um I think he's a very private person and he's very professional like I um I don't know the the kind of the kind of uh emotions and stuff that I share with my band are and this maybe has a lot to do with like our age we're all in the same age bracket like <laughs> we're all kind of like um you know, figuring it out and hadn't, we haven't been doing it for 20 years yet. So, um, working with someone who has been doing it for a long time and has worked with many different people. Um, now as the tables are turned, I can kind of see why maybe sometimes you, you would want like a band that you're not very close to, cause you can get your point across pretty clear and not worry about hurting anyone's feelings. Mm-hmm. But also like, um, I don't know. I really appreciate, um, you know, when my band members are like, what about this part? Or, you know, and I, I feel like, um, I think he welcomed it, but I think everyone, at least it seemed that in that band at the time, like, I think we were, um, how do I say it? (laughs) I'm not trying to be like belittling of our group, but I think we were all kind of like, let him do it his way because he's he already knows what he wants, you know. Right. But I think sometimes it's nice to have other people's opinions, even even if you don't plan on using them, you know, if they can say them in the the right way. But most of the time, when people make suggestions, it's really like annoying and <laughs> over the top. And you're like, I'm I wrote this song, so like you can't tell me how to do it, you know. But um, I think my relationship, like with that band, was pretty. Um, it's very different than where, where I am now. And, um, I'm like, (laughs) I understand kind of like some of the stresses that at at the time working with him, I was like, I don't know why he's upset right now. Or I don't know why so-and-so like can't hear their own instrument in the monitor, (laughs) you know? And now I'm just sort of like, yeah, okay. This is something that everyone deals with. And every time you're on tour for, a period of days somebody is in the back of the van with their headphones on at some point like <laughs> i don't want to talk to anyone you know yeah just um, yeah 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 so but my yeah my experience with that band was very different than what i have going on now so yeah i don't know now are you there is a new cairo gang record coming out uh in in june sometime this month uh, did, are you do you appear on it in any way Oh no! <laughs> you're, are you you're, um, you're not going to work? You, you wouldn't work in in that band again? I mean, maybe. Um, I'm not sure about the future, but right now I'm kind of just doing my own thing. Right. Okay, that's fair. Now, now, now that time has passed and you've lived with these songs longer, and, you know, you've toured a lot. The record's been out quite a while. Do you have some perspective on 
what Burn Your Fire for No Witness captured about you and your life at the time? I think, um, for me, like looking back, I think there were a lot of things growing up or just, um, ideas I had about situations or people. And, um, I think I was really angry and confused, but I think also really blessed to have that anger because it made me want to write and want to, you know, um, put it into something that was useful for other people, you know, and thinking back on it, I'm like some, you know, sometimes I hear my own words and I'm like, I I don't know what, I have no idea what happened that would, that inspired that song or whatever, or that lyric or something. Oh, but, but I do know like overall the whole feeling is like, um, I was really upset and confused about how things should go. And so, you know, sometimes it takes, somebody upsetting you to do something about it and change and, and realize that you're letting people upset you and you're letting, you know, situations take control of you instead of making your own decisions about them and moving on, you know? Yeah. And I think, you know, that album was a lot about that kind of thing. And how, do you mind me asking how old you were when you wrote this batch of songs? Um, well, I must've been 26 maybe 27. Okay. Well, 27 when it came out and 26 when I wrote it. And, um, maybe, uh, maybe I wrote a few like at the very end of my 25th year. Like, so, um, like right after halfway home came out, I was writing some of the songs. Well, I just, I get the impression, I get the impression in your response that you already look back on some of the lyrics as being those of maybe a kid or maybe someone coming from a naive place? Well, coming from a place that's like, no matter how old I am, like I'm I'm going to deal with the same things. Like I'm sure that I'll get better at it and I hope that I will. But like I'm hoping that it's relatable to other people and that it's not just something that like only a kid could relate to. Like anybody having a childish moment with themselves could relate to some of the material. But also I think not all of it is necessarily like, like I don't feel like it's a depressing album, for example. You know, I've had people be like, so your songs are really sad. Like what's wrong with you? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I mean, I wrote it. So like I'm, and I'm living, I'm like on tour all the time. So I'm, I'm fine, you know, like, but um, I don't know. I think, I think I really like describing things that are dark and, I definitely like write more about that kind of stuff, but I'm hoping, you know, I mean, there's some stuff on there that I feel pretty, is pretty uplifting. <laughs> this is, but, this, um, it's really interesting that you're bringing this up because I, I, this is a question. I just had a discussion about your work with someone recently and they were suggesting that your music was rather somber. Whereas I suggested that I found it really uplifting, really uh, optimistic on a lot of levels. Do you, see a tension between those moods in your music? I mean, can you acknowledge that some of it, you say, I think you just acknowledged it, there is darkness, but you see light as well. Well, yeah, I mean, I, um, being able to describe darkness around you is in its own way, like a way of getting yourself out of it, you know, because you're yeah, understanding right. it, you're right. finding a place to put it. And, I, and that's how I feel like it's not necessarily, it's not like a dead end or something. <laughs> I hope that it's not. Yeah, and is is any of it particularly? Does any of it strike you as particularly funny now? You mentioned that some of the lyrics mystify oh. you a little bit, but do you see humor in it? Yeah, I mean, like every time I play like White Fire, the first line is "Everything is tragic," you know, and I just like <laughs> can't stop. Like I'll be performing it, and I'll start laughing because it's just like it's so intense, <laughs> but. I'm also like, I'll like forget about it halfway through and then get really into it, you know, because um, I like playing it. But, you know, you have to you have to make fun of yourself at some point. You know, you have to. It is good that you um, that anyone, if anyone can write a song that is whatever. How do I describe it? Um, I guess I just mean that no matter how intense a so- like a songwriter is like they should be able to make fun of themselves and know that like not every single thing is precious you know 
I, um, I haven't had a chance to see you live yet. Uh, do you do you feel like you can express your sense of humor within your your banter? If not, if people, oh, are... I mean, I'm like totally like trying to laugh the whole time <laughs> <laughs> because most because I feel like most people are like, oh, like that's gonna be like a that's gonna be a weird one to see, you know? <laughs> I don't know, um, maybe not, but I feel like. Um, yeah, I think pe- some people might expect it to be like a quiet, sort of sad performance or like a quiet, like no talking kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I like to engage with people. Is that something to do with a persona that has been foisted upon you or one that you fostered yourself? Like one of being kind um, of serious? I feel like I've always been kind of both, you know. There was a point in time, especially when I was younger, when I was much more. I was much more outspoken and loud. And then, I don't know, I guess I got humbled or something. (laughs) But, um, you know, I still like, I still have a sense of humor. And I'm still like, I'm not like walking around all day, like trying to write the most, the next most depressing song ever. You know, Um, I just like, um, I just end up writing about, all kinds of things, and some of them end up being really dark. <laughs> Once again, I just want to emphasize: I don't find your material depressing. Um, okay, good. Just that's just me speaking now. I, I uh, this is gonna maybe this will be revealing too much. You mentioned that you, you're trying to laugh the whole time. Uh, are you someone that prepares any material in your for your banter? Do you go in thinking? I'm gonna... Oh, definitely not. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Never written a joke. Um, no, but I'm trying to learn more jokes because I'm starting to see their value, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) as a way to pass time while you're tuning or something. Yeah. Yeah. And also just a way to somebody's in a really crappy mood or somebody's in a good mood, whatever. Like there's, there's a little space for a joke in there. (laughs) Have you, can you tell, did you have a joke that you want to share? I just am curious if you, you say you're trying to learn some, are there any good jokes? I have one, but it's kind of perverse. I guess it's not too bad. You can say whatever you want. It's a podcast. It's a it's the Wild West. Okay. All right. Well, two nuns are um, cycling in the south of France, and one says to the other, "I've never come this way before," and the other one says, "It must be the cobblestones." <laughs> what? Oh! 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 Yeah. Oh! Yeah. It took me <laughs> took me a second to hone hone in on the come. Part and well, I... you know, I can I can work on it. My deliveries. This maybe the third time I've said it. So. No, I'm I'm a bit dense with jokes myself. <laughs> I, I I no, I that I, that is a good one. Who told you that joke? Um, I read it in a Joan Didion book. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so you're you were literally compiling jokes you've read and potentially using them for your stage show. Maybe this is the first one. So wow. Well, it was good. Yeah. I think it went over well. I'm sorry that my reaction was, huh? But I, I, I that's you what know, you're going to get that wave. You can work on it, and I'll work on it. Yeah, okay. We'll both work on the joke? Yeah. Okay. No, you'll work on your laughter, and I'll work on, on my joke. You want me to just spend time <laughs> working on my reception to jokes? Yeah. Okay, I'll work on that. Here's a, here, I'll tell you a funny story. I think it's funny. My wife texted me uh, this week to say, hey, I think your dad's Facebook uh account got hacked and i went what do you mean she said i don't know there's all these weird posts on it so i went to his wall and it it said there were a bunch of links from some third party app i think and one of them was like see miley cyrus like you've never seen her before uncensored pics and so i was very disturbed by this and i Mm -hmm. called my dad and i told him like you got to get on this and he's like well what do i do i'm like yeah you'll figure it out just delete them and then contact facebook i went back to the page and one of my dad's old indian friends Liked it. He liked the Miley Cyrus link. <laughs> it just like Mukesh I mean, Kapoor likes it. I'm like, that's hilarious. Like, they're like, yeah. finally, Chandra Khanna is giving us the good stuff. <laughs> 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 so anyway, oh, that's kind of funny. See, there, I tried to tell a funny story. <laughs> that was like more of a joke from my own life. Anyway, you uh, back to you. Let's get back to you for a second here, at least at least one second. Now you mentioned the one lyric that makes you laugh. Uh, everything is tragic, which is almost like a Woody Allen line, really, when you really think about it. Are there any other lyrics from this time that you look back on and they kind of mystify you in any way? Um, 
of my own um yeah i know your own yes some I, I mean a lot of them do i'm like the other day i was um i was working on something and i went to sleep and i woke up and i couldn't i couldn't go back to sleep and all i could think about was um my first like sold out show at this venue in um new york called glasslands that doesn't exist anymore mm -hmm. and i was just thinking like man like where did I even come up with half of those songs? Like, I have no idea how I wrote them. And I still feel very proud of them. Like, I'm like, these are pretty well written. Maybe they're not as accessible to, maybe they're not accessible to everybody, but I feel pretty good about them. And I was like, I have no idea. Like, I think just overall, when I look back at my past writing, I'm like, I, how did I do all of that? You know, because mm -hmm. it wasn't something where I woke up one day and I was like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a songwriter and I'm gonna, do all these things, you know, and it, it's just, yeah, I guess the past more, more so makes me feel mystified you, just that it happened. Right. <laughs> you don't seem like a, a pretentious person who would say something like, I don't know, man, the songs just come to me. But <laughs> are you someone who maybe believes that like on some level, like you, you don't know what's you, you say, like you're almost it's almost out of body. Uh, an it's almost an out of body experience listening back to your own stuff or thinking about your own stuff. You're like I don't yeah. know where, I don't know where this came from, but do you is that is that a process you apply? Like I, if someone were to like, hey, write ten songs right now, could you do it, or does it just come to you? Um, you know, some of them are definitely like experiments where I'm attempting to write. You know, and other times I'll just be doing something. I'll be walking around and I'll have like a tune in my head, and, and it'll feel like it, it's sort of like this feeling like you've heard it before, but like you haven't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and then you're like, oh, that's like something that that could be stuck in my head. And then and then you record it. And if it's something that sticks in your head, then maybe it'll be good to other people. I don't know. Yeah. OK. Yeah. I I, um, I feel the same way. I don't I'm not a musician, but sometimes I'll pick up a guitar and I'll be like, what what the hell is this? Where did this come from? You'll just yeah. hit upon a progression and you're just like, oh, well, now my wife has to hear this for 10 days until I forget how to do it. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, it takes like, it takes a while to write or finish it. And other times it's all in one day and you're just so excited that nothing else exists. Like you're just, you're there and you wrote something really cool and you're excited about it. Or yeah. at least you hope it's cool, but it's cool to you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so. Okay. That's part of it. Okay. That's cool. Now uh, we've touched upon, I think, critical reception of your work. We've touched upon, um, you know, silly charts and best of lists and all that stuff are there and maybe we've touched upon this too are there external perceptions about you and your work that you find bothersome because we've talked about the self-serious stuff maybe or that that people you know are they're gonna maybe you what did you say like oh that might be a weird thing to see about yourself which is a hilarious <laughs> presumption yeah. but uh is there anything you want to dispel or, or care to dispel like is there anything that bugs you that people seem to have uh, attached to you not really. I mean, people are allowed to attach their own meanings to stuff. And it's really, you know, there's no way to control it. Or like, if I tried to control it, I'd lose my mind. <laughs> you know, like, I used to, um, in the beginning, when I first started releasing stuff, and um, people took photos of me and wrote their first reviews and stuff, I, I would read all of it. And um, I'm to a point now where I don't read any of it. Because it's just, even if it's good, it's like, ah, man, like they missed all these other things. Like somebody might do a feature on me and spend three days with me or something or like feel that they're really getting to know me or whatever. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, I really hope to get the point across. But even if it were my best friend and they weren't writing it for the world to read, uh -huh. they're going to misunderstand something I said, you know, and the difference is that the other person is, is going to put it out there. So, and that it's kind of like, it's up to the reader to think, you know, that's true or that. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. That's changed or whatever, but um, ultimately everyone kind of puts their own um, sort of tone into what they want to write about an artist or whatever. And you hope that even as a person who is recording something, just plainly recording it, that it will be as transparent as possible. But um, you have to put your own tone into it as well to be part of it. So, um, yeah, I guess I just, I don't know. I don't really like to read about myself anymore. <laughs> I don't really like to know what people think. Totally anymore. fair. And <laughs> I, I want to throw this at you. This is not something I've... I've uh as you were speaking it occurred to me maybe I've thought about this before you and I are, are currently doing uh, an interview that people if they're interested will get to hear and yeah. there will be very little editing it'll be pretty much a raw conversation um, this will also turn into a print piece um, and that because of word counts and whatever else cannot mm-hmm. help but reduce this experience to something else so is right. there an, is there a part of you that prefers the opportunity to speak, uh, you know, in, in this context, in an audio interview where, you know, I'm telling you, yeah. like, you, you prefer I this. Mean, I, would pre- I would prefer this than, um, this or like, um, you know, an email interview where I get to say a bunch of things that I'm thinking about. And it, it's not like all, it's not like they can ask certain questions, but I can say certain things, you know, and, and it's just, it's all there. There's nothing really to be edited unless it's too long. Mm-hmm. But um, at the same time, like it doesn't, it's, it doesn't really bother me anymore. Um, it only bothers me like in a situation, in any situation, whether it's a podcast or whatever, if the person interviewing me hasn't told me that they've interviewed other people out of my life without you know, without preparing me for this question or for, for this information, interviewing other people and then using things that they say to upset me. (laughs) That's the only time it's like, Oh man, this is not going in a good place. Like you're already like trying to stir me up. This has obviously happened to you. This has happened to me where someone was like, this person said no comment. How do you feel about that? And I was like, what are we in 67? Like, who are you? <laughs> like, <laughs> what are you trying to do here? I'm not like, you think my life is so important that you need to do this? <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Um, but, you know, I think uh, I'm just a particular person. And there's the best way is to not care at all and to just be like, I want to put out information and hopefully they'll get it right. And if they don't, then... You know, there's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> yeah. I think... All I can do is play my music and hopefully have real interactions with people when I can. Yeah, you have to let go of this, these things as any kind of public person. Otherwise, you will go nuts, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when and how did you first get into music as a fan, like as a little tiny Angel Olsen? Oh. I mean, I was always kind of, I mean... From day one, probably. I had a tiny little Casio um, growing up that I played with and like would when, write songs. When you were like born? When, I was like, when you were born? Like three it was just, or four. Oh, okay. Sorry. I, you said day one yeah. and I thought you pop, I mean, popped out and were immediately on well, the keys. Well, as soon as I could figure out how to play notes, you know, yeah. or sing, um, I was doing it. Um, and then when I was in um, elementary, middle school... I would record on tape a lot and do harmonies over tapes oh. and um, dance around to like Mariah Carey songs and stuff like that. <laughs> you already had a sense that you could harmonize with yourself? I mean, I tried it, you know. Interesting. Huh. That's, but that, that's like audio engineering thinking at a very young age. Yeah. 
Maybe maybe one day I'll be an audio engineer. Who knows? <laughs> when I can't sing anymore. <laughs> who are some of the uh, you, you mentioned Mariah Carey? I don't know if she was necessarily an influence. Who are some of the people that uh, you you enjoyed as a as musicians at that point? Um, it was a mix of everything, like stuff that was on the radio at the time, like anything like '90s R and B to like Nirvana to Everly Brothers to you know like. Um, Honestly, like I listened to country way later. I listened to a lot of like because '90s country I wasn't into, and my parents loved it. But um, um, after working with Will, I started listening to like Roger Miller and um, just like a bunch of different a bunch of different stuff. Like they that whole band introduced me to a bunch of new music. But um, mm-hmm. I had all like um, Skeeter Davis. I got really into Skeeter Davis. Um, the Davis sisters, I guess, previously. Right. But yeah, growing up, I guess, um, it was mostly like nineties stuff was stuff that it was on the radio because though the internet existed kind of, I wasn't really aware of it as a music, um, a place for music to be, you know, distributed. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Will told me about some Everly Brothers, it's like a particular greatest, there's so many Everly Brothers greatest hits records, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think there are. I see them all the time at gas stations and wherever else. But he he told me about a couple of really key ones, and I tracked them down. And I don't remember what they're called right now, but they were cool. And yeah, uh, I think it's they're so good. Sometimes when you're in a band with in the Cairo gang, how many people are in the Cairo gang? Got a lot of people, right? Um. Well, I'm not sure anymore. But at the time, I guess the band that was Will's band was made up of the Cairo gang, and then um, Emmett, who led that group, also had his own his um like a separate project where he sang um oh, okay. so and i was i wasn't in that band so yeah i'm not sure how many people are in it but you have this uh, galvanization of different like people who are really music like knowledgeable about music so you're getting all sorts of stuff hanging out with them yeah 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 okay and then and so you mentioned the uh, music you heard as a kid and and that inspired you what about as a as a player as a singer when did that sort of start for you um, when I was 16 and then I uh, started playing, like I played like on the street and stuff when I like, a, like a little weirdo in St. Louis. And then, um, I used to play in front of vintage vinyl and I went in there one day, like a few years later and the guys were like, how come you're not playing out there anymore? And I said, I'm not that desperate anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, it's like a scene out of a movie. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Some of the one of them still works there. I don't know what his name is anymore, but yeah, it's okay. pretty funny. And, and and then and then I moved to Chicago and started playing like DIY shows and getting into that scene pretty pretty quickly. Okay, and so this is just a, for lack of a better term, an organic process. You're just following your bliss. Yeah, I mean <laughs> the whole the way that I met Will was through Emmett, and he had played a lot of DIY shows as well, and we had mutual friends and so it was just it was pretty organic all of it like and then when we finished halfway home and it was ready to be released I was like I'm gonna I guess I'm gonna try to go on tour I've never been on tour on my own before so when I worked with Will that was the first time I had been um traveling like that for music Oh, okay. and it was like a three-hour performance because we played he hired me to to sing um, for a cover band that was opening for Bonnie Prince Billy, so right. it was like a three-hour show. <laughs> <laughs> so he he really will in particular, and it sounds like Emmett as well. Or he's like Will is like a sage influence in your life. Like he's like someone you've looked to as not to emu- yeah, emulate I mean, necessarily, but he's guided you quite a bit. Yeah, I think I think they're both of their attitudes, like Emmett's and Will's, like they are. I think they're super particular about how things work within um, within their circle, within the way they make music, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they want to protect um, their hearts as much as possible. And I, you know, I look up to that because I don't know. Everyone seems like at least um, maybe this is not the bad, not the best way to think about it, but 
I feel like the music scene is right now is like everybody is just trying to get the biggest show as soon as possible instead of like organically letting things happen and mm-hmm, building mm-hmm. a good foundation for their work, you know. And I, I'm seeing that too. It's just like it's really annoying when you see somebody just pop out of nowhere and like they haven't they've never had anything that they've worked on before. And you're like, man, where's <laughs> like the future in that? I hope there's a future in that. You're not saying this but, out of some personal or professional resentment. You just don't think it's healthy for the culture. I don't think it's like, I don't think it's as real for me. It's not, I like to watch people grow. Yeah. And um, I think it's more daring to to put out an album, even if it's not as good as the last one or, you know, or whatever. But I also think like, I don't know, there are, two different types of music that I'm talking about and one of them is like pop music that's just like it's like branded by something else and then there's the kind of music that that I want to make which is like you know you put as much heart and work into it and effort but it's not necessarily something that's going to be good for a Nike commercial sure <laughs> you know sure and I think that's the kind of attitude, that's that's sort of what I'm talking about. Right. People want to pop right away and, and make an impact in whichever way they can. And it, it could be a commercial even, or it could be whatever. Yeah. A licensing deal. I just think deal. that, yeah. yeah. Okay. Hey, by the way, you mentioned DIY shows, and I, I got confused. Are you referring to that as a concept, like the DIY as a concept, or was that very specific? Oh, just like um, like house shows and stuff like okay. that, or just loft spaces. I, 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 the way you said, and Emmett also played DIY shows. I wondered if there was some. Well, venue. he would play like he would he would more so play like galleries or like art lofts, and and I would see him at like house shows and stuff. Right. Okay. Okay. Did did other um, forms of arts media impact you the way music did? Like, were you a big film or, or literature buff or anything like that? Um. I got really into like Agnes Varda for a while. And I liked I liked watching films for a while. Um Peter Watkins. I really liked that all that um movie Privilege. Oh, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I got I got really into film for a minute. Um and I that kind of fell off that wagon, but I still have an appreciation for it. Not not enough to try to make it, but just to to appreciate it? I mean, I don't know. I hope someday I can. But it would be more. I feel like it would be better for me to try to write a book than to make a film. I don't know. Oh, because you're already writing. <laughs> you're a writer. I'm already, I'm already doing that part. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 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 And do you have any facility with filmmaking? Have you ever tried it? Um. Sort of. Like I I'm I like documenting things that other people are in. Like I like the idea of just taking thirty seconds on tour and and saving it. And like using it in the future, you know, like with or your... having it for the future. But I don't, I don't usually. I'm not making films that I'm starring in or anything. <laughs> when you like... say when you say you're making little things, just like with your phone or like with a yeah, well, I, with whatever I have. Like if I have a, I have like a little digital camera, but I also can use my phone. And I've talked to my friend Zia a lot about it because she makes film. She's made a couple of um, music films for me, and she have this idea to put like an old lens on a digital camera to kind of make it, yeah, make it pop differently or make it look differently. Oh, okay. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I want to experiment with that part of, with part of that world, but I haven't really yet. So. Okay. And, and do, do films or, or books or anything, do there, do, do those narratives, would you say any of those narratives have influenced your own songwriting? I mean, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel really, um, I feel pretty sensitive to what, like anytime I watch a film, like if it, I got really into Paper Moon for a minute and I would just obsess over the shots from Paper Moon. But when I was growing up, when I was a little kid, I would watch a movie and try to like, you know, try to remake parts of the movie, like build a fort and pretend like we were characters of the movie. And I think, you know, even now if I watch a film that's really intense, for me or whatever I leave it and it's it's still affecting me like it's still like I'm still thinking about it for hours afterwards okay. even if it's not the most amazing film <laughs> so so um, so this might infiltrate you when you're writing subconsciously even yeah okay 
All right, that's that's interesting. That's good. All right, now what's your next batch of songs sounding like right now? Um, it's a mix of different things. It's really hard to say what it's going to be like as a whole. Um, you know, I still feel like I have three different, I have three different styles. I'm pretty aware of. One of them is like very solo oriented. One is very like kind of power pop vibes, and the other one is like. Um, how would I say um, original kind of like a mix of all three <laughs> together I don't know how to describe it other than um, some of them are wordy and some of them are more music oriented and not unlike what I've done before right you're I mean the last record has some you and a guitar and some band stuff you you imagine the next batch could you're thinking the next album if you're thinking about it as an album already could potentially be some like a similar dynamic it might be yeah I don't know um I'm not really like yeah I don't know it's really hard to wrap my mind around what it could be and I'm writing every day just to kind of yeah to feel less precious about it but um yeah, I don't know. It's really hard to... S I know there's stuff in there in my head, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I don't really know what's in there until it's out. You know? I, I, you, but, so you haven't started... You have, the, the, the record button has not been pressed on anything. Um, no, I've been recording every day. I'm, I'm doing like... I'm working on piano stuff and guitar stuff, and I'm doing like multiple projects um, for other people right now, so it's kind of... Um, it's a little bit time-consuming to do both, but... I make time for both during the day. Like I'll do half of the time of um, half of the time of the day working on my own thing, and then the other half, like working on some collaboration or project that I need to finish. Okay, um, so, and the recording you're doing is but, for demo yeah. purposes, or some days are easier than others. I, I was talking to my friend. I was like, "Man, I hit a wall. I, I wrote these four songs, and I just, you know, I hit a wall. And then that day, I wrote a song." you know <laughs> oh okay but like it's um yeah it's it's a really weird process because no matter how many songs i've written and like like i said it's super mystifying to even know that i can do it i'm just like wait where are these even from i'm not to say that they're the best songs ever written or anything but like i did i did write them yeah and when when you aren't writing you're like how did i even do that in the first place that's crazy but um yeah, I've been yeah, I've been doing it every day. But I also it's different because um I was on the road this year so much and there any time I tried to record anything, I it would be like a fraction of a song, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um that's not something that I was used to. So it was sort of I would forget how it went or try to find some voice memo and like not really understand where I was going with the thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. So the recording you've done thus far is sort of demo stuff? Yeah, just a bunch of demos. Okay, okay. And and do you have any... You say you don't know where these songs are coming from. Are you sensing any thematic connection between things uh, in terms of where you, um, where you might be deriving it from? I'm not sure. I had a conversation at a party, and then I came home. We were We were actually out of town, and we went to our hotel and the next day. I had written like a few words down after the conversation and then I wrote this song and you know, it has like two verses and a hook and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, I have no idea where that even came from. Like, <laughs> like the conversation inspired a thought process that where I was like suddenly rhyming that thought process, you know? Um, and changing things around or having an idea a simple idea and then changing it around and suddenly that simple idea is something totally different than what it was in the beginning. <laughs> but I know this all sounds really complicated or maybe it just sounds confusing. Um, but yeah, sometimes things are all come at once and other times it just, it takes a lot of work and there's a lot of doubt at first. Like, I don't know about this. It seems empty. Yeah. And then, you know, like I try to push through it because in the past, you know, um, I've written songs where I'm like, or I'm in the process of writing for, let's say, like, I wrote um, Unfuck the World, and I was like, I don't even know if this is, is this even a song? It doesn't even have, a, like, a chorus, really. Mm -hmm. 
when I recorded it and sent it to the band, I was like, here's one last one, you know? And they're like, oh man, this is cool. But like, to me, I was just like, this is kind of weird. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what this is. Yeah. So I'm still like, no matter how like many things I've written, I'm still like very critical of what I do. And I, I think it's the only way to kind of uh, weed out the crap. <laughs> right, right. Is it, it would it be presumptuous to assume that the conversation at the party that you were involved in was about uh, NBA basketball star LeBron James? I mean, it. Let, we'll see someday. <laughs> I, I, Maybe it was. Maybe it was subconsciously about him. I f- feel like you would remember this. I, you Americans spend a lot of time talking about LeBron James. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he's he's quite he's a super freak. He's like the craziest athlete I've ever seen. I'm just wondering. You, I assume you just talk about him every day. I mean, I I do. I really do. <laughs> He's so, going to be featured in every song of the next new album. Man, so. I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait. So you mentioned some other collaborations. I, I was just going to uh, conclude this by asking what's next. Is, is there anything else you can share about those things? I assume they're in a gestation period, so to speak. Um, I like to record a lot of covers, and I'm not sure if I'm going to release them, but I like the idea of having just a bunch of rec- covers so that when I'm 80, I can be like, Oh yeah, that's the time I covered blah, blah, blah. Oh. Um, <laughs> but um, I'm hoping maybe I can release them sometime. And then I'm working on piano stuff. Like I bought a piano in December of last year and at the very end of our last tour. And then, um, and then we, yeah, and then I've just been sort of repracticing playing piano because it's been a few years since I've done that daily. So, oh, nice. um, yeah, I'm working on piano pieces for maybe, maybe a film, but maybe not. Maybe just might, might be my own stuff. Um, and then uh, I recorded my friend's solo work, which I don't know if he'll ever put out. But uh, so that was an interesting process. <laughs> um you like and, you oversaw the recording of it, you mean? Yeah, well, I mean I recorded him. Like yeah, I, I had all the equipment and I mixed it and stuff. Oh, cool. But, but um they're not they they don't want to put it out. I'm not sure yet. I don't know when it will be ready or if he'll put it out, but um yeah, I don't know. I've just been doing a lot of stuff that's been keeping keeping the sort of muscle work going, but because I like, I just sort of agreed to do all these projects, and now I'm like, man, I really like. I'm complimented and want to work on these projects, but part of doing this stuff is making me want to spend more time writing my own music, and I guess that's that's part of it, you know, like working on other people's stuff. You can hear things that you wouldn't normally hear because you're so close to your own project, you know. What, what does so, what, what does working on a cover song do for you in your own work? I've I've read artists who've who when asked about potentially doing a cover song would say well i don't we just as a band didn't decide that that was a good use of our time we'd rather be creating something of our own would you 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 say you you like doing covers and recording covers like putting the time in it's not just learning the yeah. song what well, is, i mean why do why do you want to do that well i mean i think i think part of it is that you learn how you learn that you can use your voice in different ways than you naturally would with something you've written yourself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, learning something with a higher register or lower register can teach you like where your limits are and also how to work with them. And I don't know, it's like a quick way of learning where, where you can go. And, um, I guess you can learn how to apply it to your own writing later or, you know, figuring out where you can go with it and um, thinking about it in several ways instead of just one, you know, like when I started singing, I did a, like a covers tape right after the 2010 release of strange cacti. Yeah. And it was like Dolly Parton and um, a bunch of like Skeeter Davis, Timmy Euro, um, a bunch of women singers and all the songs were recorded kind of differently. And I think, to appropriate like appropriately different for each song but listening back to that tape you know it's like it's not necessarily the way I would sing for my own words because sometimes I want to pronounce so much (laughs) and I I'm more like 
focused as like on my own words and getting those out and clear versus like trying to be like effective, like, or, or how do I say it? I'm not effective, but, um, by using an affectation yeah. on something yeah. to make it interesting. And though I, I think it's fun and part of learning cover songs is learning the different affectations that work with your voice. It's also like learn how to drop it a little bit, you know? Um, sure. Yeah. I think there's something beautiful and in a kind of voice that is like talking or the closest thing to hearing them speak, you know, mm-hmm. versus like though Everly brothers are really sweet and, I love hearing the Everly Brothers. It's very dreamy, and in some ways, I wonder what they, you know, I wonder how they speak. <laughs> right. It's, it doesn't sound like it's close to their speaking voice at all. Yeah. Right. Uh, are there any uh, covers recently that you've recorded that you want to share with us? Uh, any artists in particular? Um, I'd say I, well, I did an Everly Brothers song a while ago, but I also learned a Candy Staten song. Oh, nice. Um. And I don't know if I'm ever going to release that, but we'll see. No, no, that's why. I, um, I'm just curious. It doesn't sound, it, as you say, it's almost like a keepsake. And um, what else did I do? Oh, I did um, Stranger uh, by Richie Havens. But um, I've been playing that one so much live that I'm like, I don't really need to record this. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to work on next. I kind of want to keep... Um, yeah, keep them to myself and just have them, have them for myself. But maybe I'll release something next year or later this year. Nice. Uh, this this sounds promising. Well, I want to tell folks once again, Angel Olson's Burn Your Fire for No Witness is available now via Jag Jaguar. And Olson is playing North by Northeast uh, on June 20th in Toronto and Sappy Fest in Sackville, New Brunswick on August 1st. Have you been to either of these places, Angel? Um, I've been to Toronto, but I've never been to these festivals or these, um, yeah, these festivals before. So, so just so you know, Sappy Fest is the best festival in Canada. Really? Yeah, I, I, I it's very far away from where I live in Ontario, but I have uh, until last year, maybe the year, basically, as soon as I had children, I stopped driving all the way out there with my wife. But we're yeah. we're endeavoring to try to go again this year. It's like an eighteen-hour drive or something. And we're endeavoring to go because it's just a magical. The community really comes together. You, they take over the street, and uh, it's curated just perfectly. It's curated just to my to my taste, I'd say. Uh, not Very that, nice. Anyway, I love it. I think you'll have a really wonderful time. So that's great that you're doing that. And uh, and anyway, for more information, uh, people can visit uh, angelolson.com. That's a n g e l o l s e n dot com. Is there a song? that we can play from your, let's say, your latest record, Angel, just so people have a sense of uh, what you sound like? You should play You should play Iota. You want me to play the song Iota? Iota. Okay, well, yeah. why did that come to mind? Um, I don't know. I feel like it's relevant to the conversation. Really? <laughs> <laughs> now you got me spooked. I got to listen to that. Why? How so? I'm just curious. What, do you, what does that mean? Um... <laughs> You can make fun of me. I think you're going to make fun of me. I feel like no. I mean, it, I guess it just means what it means. Like, um, not everything's sunshine and roses, but you got to get through it. Oh, okay. <laughs> just like the conversation. No, I mean, we've talked about a range of different subjects: yes. things that are funny and things that are serious. Yes, you're right. Sorry, I didn't mean to scrutinize it and and become okay. hyper insecure at the end of the interview. Uh, <laughs> this is Iota by Angel Olson. Angel, it was a, a real, real pleasure to speak with you, and I'm a big fan. So thank you for your time. Thank you. Yeah.
Thanks again for checking out Creative Control with Vish Khanna. You can email me about the show at creativecontrol933 at gmail.com. That's creative with a K, control with a K, 933 at gmail.com. You can also follow our Twitter at Vish Creative, V-I-S-H-K-R-E-A-T-I-V-E. And you can also like our Facebook page. A version of this show airs on CFRU in Guelph every Wednesday at noon Eastern. And you can listen to that online at CFRU.ca or if you're in the KW region at 93.3 FM in Guelph. You can also sign up for the weekly mailing list for the podcast and the, and the show at vishkana.com and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I believe that is everything I wanted to tell you. Thank you once again. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.